All right, everybody, here are the rules to nerd ball. First off, everybody has a ball except for one person decided at random because of a D20 dice roll. If they roll a five or lower, they don't get a ball. But if they roll a 15 or higher, they get two balls. Now, we throw balls back and forth as far away as we possibly can. And then, you know, these rules are really, really confusing. Let's just get into the episode. We're talking about PG Psycho Goreman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The More You Nerd, the number one nerd podcast in the universe. That's a new thing I'm trying. We'll see if that (laughs) sticks around. I'm not so sure that it will. My name is Drew, and I am joined by my partner in crime on his birthday. Miles, how are you, buddy? Doing pretty good at this. I don't think it's the first time this has ever happened, but it's very rare that we actually record on the actual date. It's it's it is, I believe, a rarity. Uh, it, it has happened in the past, but but this is is a rare one. And and you have brought to us a, a very, very interesting movie uh, that, that we're going to get <laughs> yes, into. I did. But but you wanted to do something else before we got started talking about uh, Psycho Gorman tonight. Yeah. So having Patrick and Mike on last week got me, you know, waxing nostalgic for just the old days a little bit when it was all four of us and we would go off on tangents and have these nerdy conversations before uh, the actual challenges. Sometimes the challenge itself would be 15 minutes of an hour and a half long podcast. (laughs) Um, That is not what's going to happen today. But since this week is uh, for better or for worse, E3, I wanted to, to, to chat a little bit about any, any games that you saw or heard about or read about that, caught your interest. I know this E3 was a little bit of a disappointment for a lot of people, mostly because it wasn't supposed to be a real E3. And, you know, we all know COVID has held up game production. So a lot of people didn't have a lot to show. And unfortunately, that wasn't really communicated to the general audience very well. But I still think there were some really cool things that we got to see this weekend. And so I wanted to, 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 you know, spend a couple minutes and talk about some of these games coming out. Yeah, this year has been kind of kind of weird when it comes to video game stuff, because video games take a long time to make. And COVID was a big deal for a lot of industries, including video games. But this is really when I feel like we see COVID impacting in a way that we didn't last year, because Last year around this time, I mean, in 2020, we had the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X come out and two brand new big consoles. But all the games that were coming out for those had been in development for a long enough time that they really just had to get get together enough and and work from home enough to cross the finish line. And that. Yeah, because, I mean, even the the Resident Evil announced that they were going to start working on DLC shows that while they were able to finish Resident Evil Village, they hadn't made any any new uh, ground since completing that game because they just simply couldn't. And, and this is where we have a problem. I mean, this is where I'm personally disappointed in a lot of what happened because I don't dislike the games that they announced. I'm not 
super surprised. Like I wanted a big surprise, but there wasn't any surprise. Like there was the big, is Nintendo going to release a new upgraded Nintendo switch? No, they no. didn't announce that. No, they're not <laughs> in, this, in, this, in the slightest bit, but there were so many reliable rumors, you know, and, and like, is, is Nintendo going to put out, uh, you know, Zelda collection for wind waker HD and twilight princess HD. And that didn't happen either. And, 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 and I still I still contend that that will be announced later because when they did Mario 3D, they announced it on September 3rd and released it on September 18th. So I mean, I fi- feel like that one might still be coming. Fingers crossed. I would love for that to be the case. I just don't know. And and so far, the like Sony didn't even show up. They didn't have anything to talk about. They, they haven't showed up since 2019, though. But I mean, like they, they didn't even do a state of play. Yes, which I, I, I think is concerning just because. Uh, Microsoft, uh, for I feel like for the first time in a decade, really showed up. Well, they needed, they needed to. They needed. They did. And it's not that they announced, oh, these are the, the most mind-blowing games. It's not like yeah, they had a Kojima game or a Last of Us. But they had a solid, varied lineup of entirely made up of games that were either Xbox or, or uh, Steam exclusive or Xbox console first. And for them to actually step up to the plate like that for the first time in years it was pretty admirable and i feel like sony might need to <laughs> get get their stuff together i think they're resting on their laurels and that was the mistake they made with the ps3 yeah i i i like sony i'm a sony fanboy i i am too i, I absolutely I am. had an xbox 360 and i played a lot of stuff on the xbox 360 i never had an xbox one i am honestly considering an xbox series x because of Game Pass and all the stuff that they announced. They're going to have yeah. like they bought Bethesda. So they have Starfield, which is the the space sci fi Skyrim style game, which just sounds fantastic to me. Uh, they showed a trailer for it. There was not a ton that they that they had outside of that. But it, it's one of those things where that that could be a game for me. And and that's uh, and it, but it's going to be on Game Pass. That's the thing. It's not a $70 game. It's not a $60 game. I mean, I guess it is, but it's also if you buy Game Pass, you have it. And that is so compelling. And there are so many other games on Game Pass. Like I've started playing the Yakuza games. I'm playing Yakuza 0 on the PS5 right now or PS4 version. But all of the Yakuza games are coming to Game Pass. And well, I could just play all of them instead of having to buy them individually. There's so many things that are going on like that, that are just making it so utterly compelling as just a, a Netflix for gaming in a way that nobody else is doing. Yeah. It it does seem like they have finally kind of figured out how that works and works well. And I, I'm someone that, I mean, I have an Xbox one because it, it, uh, came free when my girlfriend bought a bunch of jewelry one time. And so <laughs> I, I, I looked out and just I got a free you, I Xbox. Wanted, I thought you won a Taco Bell contest. No, I don't know why people think I won it from Taco Bell. I, I wish that was the truth. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> and so one of the cool things about what was announced this this year for from Microsoft with, is with the exception of a handful of titles, most of them will be on xbox one's game pass so it really does you know even if i don't buy any games for for my xbox spending 10 bucks a month or 15 dollars a month whatever it is 
is is well worth it for getting to play a lot of brand new games day one for sure like i have a lot of problems with that system and its uh operating system but i mean playing new games for free, for not for free but for you know one one prize fit or one price fits all that that's pretty enticing well there's another side of it to me is that i i'm one of like the seven people that plays stadia games I'm a Stadia subscriber. I like Stadia. I think it works really well and I enjoy it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know uh, Mike and I, you know, give you a lot of guff about it. But what is it that you think has caused it not to really catch on? Because you would think the idea of cloud gaming in the way that that Google presented it would be extremely popular. Oh, here's the deal. I, I only brought up Stadia so that I could bring up Microsoft's xCloud streaming stuff because that is something that that could like if if xcloud the the thing about stadia the problem with stadia is that it it works phenomenally well it works really well i I, and granted i i'm using a wired internet connection with a fast with a fast uh, uh speed so i'm getting like the best possible thing for it but the problem with stadia is that it's not a subscription. Like it's a subscription service, but you still have to buy games on top of that. It's not a Netflix style s- service. You get some free games, but it's not like the wealth of things. Like if I wanted to play uh, uh, Resident Evil Eightage, uh, <laughs> the <that>. village, uh, <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> I would still have to spend sixty bucks on it on Stadia if I wanted to play that. Okay. In addition to spending the ten dollars a month or or whatever it is uh, to 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 pay to to play it, so that that's really the problem with Stadia. It's not that it doesn't work; it works pretty well. It's the everything around that that isn't working. Uh, if Microsoft can slide in with with an X Cloud that has this gigantic library of Game Pass games and work as well as Stadia. I could be considered. Uh, I could. I could consider moving. I could consider switching. Cool. Well, so Drew, was there anything in particular that you that got you excited at all uh, in this E3? Are there any games coming out, whether whether they're brand new games or ports or remakes? Any anything that kind of caught your fancy this weekend? So, I mean, I'm gonna. I mean, obviously, Breath of the Wild two got a pretty good, uh, pretty good look at. Uh, still more than a year away, probably, but. Uh, of course I'm going to be into breath of the wild too. Like I loved that sure. trailer. That trailer was fantastic. And, and I was, I, if you were on our discord uh, at our cosmic crit discord, you might've seen me be disappointed with the Nintendo direct that happened. I'm still disappointed in the Nintendo direct that happened, but it has nothing to do with breath of the wild too. It's that I knew I was going to be obsessed and excited about breath of the wild too, that I knew that was going to be fun and cool. And that I wanted to see that I did just wasn't a surprise, you know, cause I expected that to happen and then it happened. It's all the stuff that was speculated and didn't happen. That was the, the real disappointment outside of that. You know, like I say, Sony didn't show anything. Microsoft had a few things like I think Elden Ring, which is not a Microsoft product specifically. Uh, Elden Ring looks really interesting and neat but we're still mm-hmm. a year away from that. Um, I'm trying at to think best. Of, at best. I'm trying to think of anything else that really happened. That was, was kind of shocking and actually new. And, and I'm struggling to think of anything right now. Well, it doesn't even have to be shocking. It's just something like, Oh man, I, I'm going to get that. Um, 
because I I had a lot of things. I mean, I know I I pay attention to a lot of the the indie games, and anytime like Annapurna is uh, publishing something, I am there. That they have a, a new game that's developed by a variable state called Last Stop. That it's a kind of a slice of life style game uh, by the people that made a, a game called Virginia, and I was really really excited about that. I follow a a Twitter that has become popular over the last year called Wholesome Games. And they they're kind of like they they highlight kind of comfort food indie games. Hmm. And so they held they held their own direct. And there's a uh, a really fun looking game called Battle Cakes, where it's this cool little town that's just occupied by cute cupcakes. <laughs> and it it looks like maybe a little bit of a dungeon crawler and uh, a little town sim dungeon crawler. But... <laughs> okay, that was good. Um, but one thing that I am I am pretty pretty stoked about as far as new games was a game called Immortality. It's by Sam Barlow who created uh, her story, so it's going to be more of kind of an interactive game. But the 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 kind of elevator pitch is that Marissa Marcel was a film star. She made three movies. But none of the movies were ever released and Marissa Marcel disappeared. And so it's this this mystery and that that whole idea of like lost mm. films and everything is a, a big thing that I'm into anyway. Um, and outside of that, I mean, I got really excited that. Fatal Frame is coming to switch and, you know, some of these ports that are happening. Yes, this this year wasn't super, super exciting, but I found a lot of games coming out that I'm like, oh, I am going to buy that. The uh, is it called the Great Attorney Chronicles? The the new Phoenix Wright? Yeah, it's actually Stuart one that was, it was it was one that was in out in Japan. And correct. Uh, yes. And, and is, is it, it, it's basically Phoenix Wright, but in Victorian England. Yeah, it looks really really great and well Krista was watching it with me and she'd never had heard of the Phoenix Wright games and she loves kind of mysteries and uh, law procedurals so she got really really into this trailer because she also likes period pieces in history so that game is going to be a a day one purchase in our house because I I think that is going to be a lot of fun I've always enjoyed the Phoenix Wright stuff uh, didn't didn't they cross over with Professor Layton at one point? At one point, they definitely did, and uh, it's been a couple of years ago now. Like, it's time flows in such mysterious ways at this right. point here in twenty twenty one that it might have been last year. It could have been seven years ago. I just don't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, yes this this E three was not the showiest. And I, I want to say, I think uh, Jeff Keighley did a bang up job with how he organized his summer games fest and kind of kept the the energy alive because he clearly knew that most of the studios were not going to really be able to show up. So he had a lot of cool indie games and kind of double uh, A titles uh, showcased and did so with enough energy that I feel like there was. I wish it hadn't been just right before E3. I wish it had been like throughout the weekend, but I got to give him absolute props for kind of keeping the spirit of the season alive. And, you know, hopefully this is on its way out from being a regular thing, you know, uh, with things opening up and people going back to work, you know, hopefully some, some development on these games will pick up a little bit. Maybe by September with TGS times, we'll, We'll get some more announcements and, uh, you know, we'll see. Fingers firmly in the crossed position. 
Now, Miles, let's switch yeah. focus a little bit because. Oh, boy. Because I'm the heckin' best. <laughs> uh, and and we need to talk about this, this little movie. So this is your birthday yes. challenge. Why don't you introduce this? Because sure. So, so, so that I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, PG Psycho Goreman is about a pair of siblings who accidentally bring an ancient extraterrestrial warlord back to life. And in doing so, unwittingly also control him. The Archduke of Pain. Done... The Archduke of Nightmares. Archduke of Nightmares. Archduke of Nightmares. Apologies. <laughs> Reaction to that. So what, what I usually do with my birthday challenges is typically bring something back from my childhood or, or something that I'm just a deep fan of that I don't feel like gets enough love. And this time I wanted to do something that had had been recent, but also something that I knew that you probably wouldn't see on your own, but something that I feel like you might at least be entertained by. Uh, I had no communication with Drew about this movie during the last week. He has not said a word to me about it other than, oh, I see a lot of Manitoba license plates <laughs> for an American town. <laughs> and that was all that was all I got. So I actually have no idea what Drew thinks about this movie. Um, but this movie kind of captures what I feel like a lot of movies that try to contain the spirit of 80s films fail to do. And that it doesn't attempt to take place in the 80s is part of its strength. It takes the idea of we're going to have adolescent protagonists, but we're going to treat them like characters, like not adults, but they they act like kids. Yeah. And, and, and a may, lot of and it may not they may not try to take place in the 80s, but they definitely try to take place in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a vibe to this movie. I mean, a hundred percent. I'm just saying that it doesn't try to do something where it's not trying to be, it's not trying to ape stranger things and it's not trying to be like, Oh, we're, we're just going to pull on nostalgia strings because we don't understand why stranger things is a success. And I, I really like how this movie, uh, kind of, portrays itself it feels like it's in the same kind of vein as a goonies a monster squad uh, that kind of you know it's not an ensemble but that kind of kids film from the 80s it, it captures that kind of magic or super eight you know it's like super eight but by a bunch of gross out comedians yeah, I could see that. I've never seen Super 8, though, so I can't really make that direct comparison. Oh, so I'm going to tell I you. I wish I had known that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you what I see in this movie for 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 the, the listeners here. And this is on Shudder, uh, the, the streaming service Shudder in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. Just came out January of 2021. And it is a brand new movie. Uh, so as as Miles mentioned, these two kids, Mimi and Luke, who are our brother and sister, uh, are playing a game in the backyard in which Luke has to lose us the game and therefore has to dig his own grave or dig him. <laughs> this movie is, is wild. It's a very uh, dark sense of humor uh, and end up finding the Archduke of nightmares and happen to figure out the, the combination to this gym, the gym of, uh, 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 Pra that controls him and 
basically kind of teach him how to how to be a a, a cool uh, dude. Uh, yeah. It's I mean it does have uh flavors of like an Encino man type of thing, but with an evil alien overlord or uh spaced invaders or or something of that ilk. There there's a lot of um of comedies from the early 90s and late 80s that kind of played with this sort of thing and but they they basically switch it with a Power Rangers vil- villain if that villain was created by Troma. Yeah. I mean it is this is a bloody gory movie. Yeah, uh, it's an R-rated film. Uh despite the fact that it's called PG, which I think is funny and I don't know whether that is in an intentional uh, <laughs> reference or not. Uh that it's parental guidance suggested. Uh, but, but this movie is, is it's something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious as to what your thoughts are because the, the plot itself is, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. You know, these kids have a couple wacky adventures. The people who originally trapped PG want to finish him off for good. His former the, cohorts the also want to finish him off for good. Yeah, the Templars, who also look like Power Ranger villains, uh, specifically from you know, Dino Charge. Um, heck, even when they're playing, this is a great scene. In the opening segment where they're playing Crazy Ball, they have this really great Power Rangers ripoff music. There's a guitar lick that is literally the Power Rangers guitar lick. And then the camera pans out, cuts the soundtrack, and you're just seeing these two kids play this dumb game like as an adult would see it. <laughs> and then it goes right back into how the kids are kind of in the moment with the with the guitar wailing. It's such a clever filming technique that kind of shows the lens of the I guess the, the viewpoint in which this film is looking at. And it's really through childlike eyes. And I think that's why this film works for me, at least. So so I, I, I have to be honest with you, Miles. You when, didn't care for it. When this movie works, it works. But there's a lot of times when this movie does not work for me. <laughs> okay, no, no, let's 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 talk about it. Like so, uh, we haven't had a had real disagreements in a while. So what 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 doesn't work for you? So keep in mind, I am not somebody that grew up watching any kind of horror movies. You know this about me. I yes. wouldn't even consider this a horror movie. No, it's horror adjacent. It's horror adjacent. It is. It is definitely attempting to parody certain horror elements it's 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 <laughs> you had to have laughed when he said i do not care about hunky boys or do or i do i no, i did laugh at that that was that it's was a so line that good was, but there, there's so much in this movie that that when they're not playing to the laugh there are points when they play to the laugh that i get taken out of the movie like specifically when it comes to the character of the dad, the dad in this movie, uh, who is, who's Mimi and Luke's dad. He, he is this Greg, I believe his name is. (laughs) He, he is, you think he's joking about stuff like dig, like he's supposed to fill in the hole and then he hurts his wrist in the very beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, I've hurt my wrist. And it's all like, Oh, ha ha ha. He's kidding. So that someone else will do the work. But no, he's wearing a, a a brace on his wrist for the rest of the movie because he's actually complaining about his wrist hurting. It didn't work for me. Uh, 
But um, yeah, a lot of the stuff with the dead, I would agree, is not the best. I, I look past it because I think they were trying to do this kind of the kids are ignoring their own home situation uh, by staying in a kind of fantastical element. And the, the whole thing with the delicious chicken in the microwave, I don't know. It it did that that most of that stuff didn't work for me. But I will say something that did work for me with the dad is a uh, well. We should talk about Mimi and Luke because <sighs> Mimi is is <laughs> the heckin' worst. <laughs> she is awful. She is awful, awful, awful. She is, and the movie knows that she's awful. This is a movie about villains, and she is in fact a villain who earns the respect of the the archduke of nightmares which, which is, i love how, like, the, the, what makes her work for me is because she is unflappable when it comes to the archduke of nightmares or pg like and that's what makes her funny because a lot of her stuff is like you'd be like oh she's a bully she's a cruel child but because which she 100 is oh yeah because of the context in which this movie is playing it's it's not that it's fine but i'm i'm not paying attention to that because i'm paying attention to the antics i mean she you know kind of learns some lessons she definitely learns a lesson but she also then destroys the planet (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, Um, flash forward flash forward to the end and one of the things that is as funny as it is uh is uh so there's this gem that she is using to control the psycho gore man or pg as they call him um and he gets injured and the only way that he can heal himself is he if he gets control of the gem back if she hands him the gem and she promises like she makes him promise that he will not kill her or her family to which PG agrees. And then the and then her brother Luke chimes in and save the rest of the planet, right? And she's just like, eh, yeah, eh. And she never says not to save the rest of the planet. So of course, at the end of the movie, the He's family is safe, on Earth. but he is destroying everything else on the planet. Which, it's very which funny. is as funny as it is. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I think I think because of the way it's played, it, it works for me. Um, but uh, I also love the, the the way he kind of gets his energy back when he's fighting the 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 Templar is because she destroyed his collection of hunky boys magazines. <laughs> so, like so, I I do the, wish that uh, so, this so, film. Uh, let me tell you the funniest scene in the movie to me, Miles. The funniest. Okay. The funniest scene. So, so Mimi is using PG to torment her brother Luke, and she is doing this by throwing balls at him against uh, crazy balls at him against the garage door, and then she has PG throw a flaming skull at Luke. To which Luke ducks. The flaming skull goes through the garage door, bounces through the living room. 
against the wall where the dad is watching TV and destroys the TV. And it's just this most honest moment of the dad. Just it's one of the few times they actually curse in the film, which I expected a lot more foul language in this movie because it's R rated. But there's only, I think, two or three F bombs. And this is one of them. And it's just he's just so shocked and scared about what has just happened. And it was one of the most real moments in the entire movie. And that took that took me off guard from what ever else was happening in the movie. And I really enjoyed that part. So uh, I think this movie works for me for for several reasons. One, you know, obviously taking the the kind of tokusatsu Power Rangers, Kamen Rider villain kind of pastiche and like having a field day with it, because all of all of the the outer space characters look like they walked off a Power Ranger set. So I do want to talk. I do want to talk about these because we are introduced because most of the movie takes place with PG on Earth, where he is the only kind of creature. But we are introduced to the 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 Templars and their sort of. They're not all Templars, but it's it's kind of the 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 force that had imprisoned PG. They're they're, they're like a um they're they're an alliance basically, like a, like a high council basically. Yes. And that has they're, they're called the 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 planetary alliance. Yeah. That has some of the most interesting character designs in this entire movie. Namely It really does. Namely the <laughs> one that I want to point out is it is this robot person with this <laughs> inflatable brain face thing that uh, and I'm going to show this to Miles because he is the only one that can see my camera right now, but it keeps deflating and inflating to where it looks like it's biting its lip. Like, well, also there's a scene where like, so she, funny to see where, where the Templar like crushes somebody uh, to death. And one of the, the neighboring Alliance members like covers the glass tube uh, so that the, the brain can't see as if it's for whatever reason is too sensitive. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's such a funny gag. And I think that's the thing is that the movie, the movie works because I think it goes all in. Like even when it doesn't work with some of the family stuff where it's trying to like do a couple of three dimensional things, the movie works to me because it goes in on being ridiculous and it knows it's ridiculous and it's fine with that. It is not trying to be anything else other than, Hey, what if these two kids who absolutely should not have control over an omnipotent monster had control over an omnipotent monster. Like they turn one of their best friends into a brain creature. And nobody seems to to mind his parents (laughs) don't even notice. Which and that's such a thing of some of these wild '80s movies is there would be these what like crazy things that happen to a to a kid and the parents just don't recognize it. That that's a big theme of a lot of horror horror adjacent things. Is the parents are sort of not just negligent, but they're they're tuned out. So so but, I, I read I read uh, one of the reviews of this movie and I think it was uh, uh, somebody from the Globe and Mail uh, uh, newspaper that that in their review said, if you happen to be operating on the director's very particular and peculiar wavelength, this movie is an absolute riot. And that is the thing to me that yes. I, that I noticed. I, I was not operating on that wavelength for, for a, a portion of this movie. And it, I, cause I started this movie. I had been traveling all day. I had gotten home and I was like, it's just turned it on thinking, Oh, this will be a fun time. And I'm just like, 
I, I was hoping you would have a, a fun time with it. Um, but, but then I but then I picked it up the next day and I had a I had more of a fun time with it because because it is not it's not what I expected. And and that's not to say that 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 you always have to expect the exact thing that you're looking for out of a movie. It's just it was extremely zany in ways that I was not anticipating with a lot of the stuff that happened in the movie. Yeah, and I, I tried to to pitch it as a pretty zany movie last week because it absolutely is. Um, and it's a brand of zany that has always attracted me. And so I, I would agree with that uh, that Globe and Mail review because. So the the director of this movie, uh, Stephen uh, Kostansky, he has been doing independent films for a while, but his last film was called The Void. It was one that he initially had funded on Indiegogo. The campaign was a success, but he was also able to acquire additional funding after kind of, I guess, some proof of concept stuff got done. And it was this really neat kind of uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness meets uh, Hellraiser 2. And it was this atmospheric, gory, serious film. And he talked about the entire time that he did that. He kept having these alternate cuts where they were just kind of making jokes. And he got nostalgic, not nostalgic, but for what he really wanted to do, because he started off making movies like Manborg, which is a full take on those uh, movies from the late 80s and early 90s. These directed video sci-fi <laughs> wild films. And he wanted to do that with. Essentially, a Power Rangers villain. And he wanted to use children in the same way that, you know, J.J. Uh, Abrams did. And again, going back to the Goonies and the Monster Squad. And I think that he couldn't do that unless he made his quote unquote serious movie. But this movie has been you know, very well received. It's got 91 percent in Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, obviously, there was no theatrical release. I think it had maybe a couple of screens in certain areas, but mostly Shutter acquired it and put it on their streaming service about a month and a half ago. It, it has a, a whopping $95,000 box office. <laughs> yeah, which I think it only ran a, a couple of festivals in October. So yeah. that, that that makes sense to me. But it has become very much a, a fan favorite on the service. And it, I, I, I think, you know, it's one of those movies where you kind of have to, it's not a movie you can kind of meet halfway. You kind of have to go all in on this kind of film or, or, or not, because I can definitely see some people's sense of humor will not line up with this movie at all. For sure. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to, to, to sell it short because I, again, when it worked for me, I did find it very funny. I ju you just you do have to be in the right headspace for something like this. A absolutely, and especially if you like kind of a, a more uh, acerbic dark comedy. I mean, because Mimi is an extremely dark take on an eleven-year-old girl. Oh, she's <laughs> she is like. The, so there's there's some moments that I'm like, oh, this if this was in a any other movie, I would think this is a really cool way that the kids choose to communicate where they they talk. They're, they're, they both have rooms uh, adjacent to another. So they talk through Morse code through the walls. 
and and that whole conversation ends in a really funny bit with the the mom just knocking really hard go to bed <laughs> and i thought that scene was excellent but just the way she talks because you know when they when they dig up the device that lets pg out Luke, for some reason, thinks, oh, maybe maybe this is where they buried grandma. And Mimi's response is, I told you, grandma's in hell. <laughs> that was, I, I found that line very funny. Because and I was like, what? There's something what? to that that happened. Uh, yeah, that, that was, again, so, when this movie works, it works really, really well. When when they are when when they are turning the the police officer that <laughs> that that attacks them into this weird monster puppet, puppet that yeah. that what that keeps trying to shoot himself it's it's a little weird when when it, the when the dad it's definitely weird when the dad who has had a, his wrist in a brace the entire movie high fives pg at the end and in doing so breaks his wrist <laughs> <laughs> in a bloody gory fashion that was funny like there's there's something to this that if you are into these these like it's called it's a movie it's called psycho gore man you know yeah, you, you what you're know what getting, you're getting into it it's not like it's called you know the spectacular now yeah it, it, you know what you're getting into with Which, it i like that movie too <laughs> but uh i mean it's 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 barely an hour and a half long it's not a long trek through. no i mean this this movie gets in and get, i i watched it again for this week and i i was kind of shocked by how short it was because the first time i watched it i mean i was just along for the ride but i think for me the the reason you have to have the the moments with the parents, which which is the stuff that doesn't work as well, is to set up the whole third act where yeah. the mom makes the deal with the Templar and you've got the big battle and all of that you can't do without having some of these build up moments for why she would obviously choose to help the Templar out. Could it have been uh, written a little bit better? Yeah, sure. But because I think they stick the landing on that, the awkward stuff with the parents doesn't doesn't bother me as much. Hmm. Um, not to say that it's good, but I think they they did need some of that there to justify the the climax of the film. Because you know you, you've got, kind of got this almost fighting game style uh, procession towards the end of the movie where PG has to fight all of his former companions and then he fights you know the main boss which is pandora the the templar and, and this is where i want to say that all of these effects are practical well, most of these effects like 99 percent of them are practical effects the cost yes. the costuming design in this is pretty interesting um it's not always perfect because again you know it's 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 definitely there, got it's a, guys in suits it's, it's guys in suits it's definitely got a budget but it 100% works for me in that capacity. Yeah, I mean, well, I, you're someone who has watched your fair share of of monster movies, of Godzilla films and and Japanese films. So you have some propensity to enjoy that kind of budget, that kind of delivery, that kind of special effect. This, you know, some people haven't ever really seen well, a lot of guys in, so, in what I, stuff. What I'll say is there is literally a monster in this movie that is a walking 
bucket of body parts. Like, oh, we we got it. We got to talk about the the warrior the way you get a warrior's death to PG. Oh, the warrior's death, where you know <laughs> when when you were on that that moon that he grew up on, uh, and you died a warrior's death, you you deserve to be eaten because that's what a warrior would do. And it's not that like, but he just like you know chops him up or whatever. No, his jaw unhinges in like this gigantic maw. <laughs> and 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 every and when that happens towards the end of the movie, the kids are like are talking to the parents like, "No, yeah, no, you don't want to see this. <laughs> we got to let's get out of here." <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. This this movie and a lot of it is in a lot of the quick witticisms, especially with Mimi, a lot of her off the cuff uh one-liners are really really great. Um, despite how mean spirited they are, I mean, or she's sometimes mean like she, kid. <laughs> yeah, I know, but sometimes she just she has no sense of self awareness. Like when she's walking up to the school with uh, Luke, and then Aiden comes up to to say hello, and she's like, "Hey, Aiden, uh, just do a little little spin for us, will you?" Yeah. Like she's because she's got a crush on on her older brother's uh, friend and just talks to him as if she owned him like she is a terrible child but a very entertaining character <laughs> so so miles i'm going to tell you something that that struck me about this movie and uh and this is okay. a, this is a spoiler for the end of the film gang so uh you know if you want pause and go watch this movie and then come back so i am watching this movie and you know, the, the film is, is wrapping up and I'm just sitting here thinking, huh, that's this is an interesting experience. How about I talk to Miles about this? And and as the credits start rolling, what happens? Oh, it's a 1990s style rap that explains I the, get that rap, the, the rap credits, the entire plot of the movie. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I I frankly I miss when people did that. I was uh watching both Ghostbuster films last night and I forgot about the Ghostbusters 2 rap or in Adams Family Values the Adams Family rap. They and, do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, do with the the Adams Family. Yeah, uh, uh the Monster it, Squad had a rap. I go, mean uh where you are forgetting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2's Ninja I rap. I wasn't done yet. Go Ninja, go Ninja, yet, go. Oh, I have <laughs> I have a signed photo of Vanilla Ice from that movie. I believe <laughs> I believe I knew that, but also, of course, I think we you talked did. about this like when we met in person, uh, <laughs> not met in person, but when we saw each other last week. But, but yeah, the, and I think that's what what really delivers for me about this movie is it's made by someone who grew up with these movies, who clearly loved these kinds of movies and had the know how to authentically make one of these kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. I don't think this movie ever feels like an imposter. And I think that's the most important thing. Like sometimes not everything may land, but the movie just, it feels like an authentic type of these films. And I, I don't need them all to be psycho gore, man, but just like with Super 8, I miss seeing these kind of films all the time. And I think that's what makes things like Stranger Things hit so hard when you have a show like that that's so well done and gets everything right. You know, of course, people are going to remember how good the era they grew up in was and want to emulate it. It's just it's refreshing for me to see someone 
who kind of gets the, the zanier part of that and gave us something because yeah, this is someone who also grew up watching ghoulies and gremlins and it, wacky movies like that. It is. It's one of those things where you can tell that whoever was working on this movie was having a fantastic time making it. Oh, yeah. And, Apparently and, the kids had a great time, too. I can I can believe it. I can 100 believe that they had the heckin best time. Um, we yeah. didn't even talk well, about we the, also gotta talk about the, 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 the music the, video the, in the middle, the, of the music movie. video song. <laughs> They have a band, apparently, and it and this song is on the film soundtrack. You can go on Apple Music or Spotify right now. And which I think is kind of this is what makes the movie work for me is it's still kind of wholesome because the kids don't use the F-bomb. And in a lot of movies like this, the kids talk like adults. Both Luke and Mimi use the word frig instead of the other which is a which is a very ironically which is a very canadian thing i believe i'm not canadian but i have heard that as a canadian sort of semi-expletive i will say i i i believe it but because they 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 kind of go all in on on frig yeah i say that because i i heard i heard that word a lot in uh uh kids in the hall back in the 90s oh that makes sense um and yeah the the music in this film is absolutely great it it shows a great knowledge of not just the genre but just style it's got it's got definitely has an 80s style there's some synth wave but there's also some some weird movements that remind me of of goblin who did a lot of uh, dario argento's films but for me this movie kind of hit fires on all cylinders like i i agree with you drew i think the stuff with the dad is is weak and could use a lot of work but everything else for me is is so fun and the movie is so joyfully wacky <laughs> that it's yeah, i guess because you don't see so much you don't see as much stuff that is lacking in complete shamelessness in its in its zaniness <laughs> And there's, I, there's, I think that there's one scene in particular I will I will tell tell you off air that I found very hilarious. That, uh... <laughs> but I yeah I I, I love this movie. Uh, I'm I'm not surprised you weren't all in, but I'm glad to hear that you at least enjoyed some of it. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's not something I regretted watching. I w- it wasn't a hate yeah. watch by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> it's it's just it is definitely something that I would not have made the time yeah. for. <laughs> oh, it's it's a hundred percent a Miles movie. For sure. Oh, yes. But it, it was one that because we talk so much about uh, Power Rangers and and Japanese anime and all these inf- all these things that influence this movie, I thought you might get some sort of kick out of it. And it sounds like you did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's <laughs> it's it's the heckin best. It is the heckin best. And what might not be the heckin best is now that birthday times are coming to an end, we're going back to some, as Drew perfectly put it, some TV adaptations. <laughs> and next boy, week, boy, we have one for you. Oh, I haven't seen it. I, I can't tell you how it's going to be. Drew, let's introduce this this show because I'm <laughs> I'm a little nervous. So so to talk about this adaptation, we have to talk about the what it is at adapting. In 1978, National Lampoon released a 
what what many would consider a classic film directed by John Landis, written by Harold Ramis, starring John Belushi and a number of other people. Donald Sutherland was in the movie. The movie was Animal House. Well, mm-hmm. what happened in 1979? Well, on ABC Networks, Delta House, the TV sitcom version of Animal House, starring not every member of the cast, but a large number of the cast of Animal House returning to be in Delta House. Which uh, kind of shocks me. It does and it doesn't to me, I'll be honest, because it's. Uh, I don't know, it was it was a different time. Uh, and and it, when you look, it, when it you certainly look, was. When you look at Animal House, not a ton of that cast was super well known when they were cast in the movie. So a lot of people were just trying to trying to get work. Uh, the show only ran for thirteen episodes, one season, like barely half a season, and the entire show is available on YouTube. At least at the time that we are saying this out loud, um, the the quality of it, however, is awful not not not, not great real bad quality because this has gotten no release again like ferris bueller ferris bueller bueller ferris um this show got no no release so this is all like copy of a copy of a copy of a vhs tape from 1981 so this is going to be an interesting one, gang, but there is going to, a little more to it that I think is very, very interesting. So we're going to watch four episodes of this. We're going to watch episode one, the pilot. We're going to watch episode four. We're going to watch episode six and we're going to watch episode 11. Now, episode 11 is interesting because it features uh, a character that they refer to as the bombshell played by none other than Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer and one of her first acting roles was on Delta House, which is very funny to me. Uh, so that is where we're going to where we're going to so, going to pick it up next week. So, again, Delta House episodes one, four, six and eleven. I'm sorry. So, Mrs. Drew, I um, I haven't seen Animal House in a very long time, so I am not going to include this as part of the challenge. But I am going to say I will likely watch the film before watching the movie because i have i mean it's one of those movies that like i never had a a massive relationship with but i've seen it at least one time so for me i am likely going to watch the movie again it is currently on peacock uh as well as amc plus and then uh available to rent and stream on whatever you so desire um just so i have a little bit of point of reference to compare to for the film because it's been at least 15 years since i've watched this movie I think that's probably a good idea. I have seen it uh, enough times that I will probably not be be making the time for that. But again, I, I will say a lot of the the members of the Delta House cast f- of that fraternity show back up. Of course, <laughs> John Belushi does not. Uh, but he's, right. But he, he is replaced by his younger brother, uh, who is jo- transferring to Faber College. Uh, uh, of course. And, yeah. So uh, honestly, my, my my biggest memories of Animal House, um, and I don't know why I saw it the one time and I, I remember enjoying it, I think. But I, I guess I just wasn't in the mood for it at the time. It, I must have been 18 or 19. But my biggest memory <laughs> related to Animal House comes from when it was parodied in Futurama. <laughs> Robot House! 
House. Yeah, that, that's that's my association. So, so, so I will uh, at least be watching Animal House and um, as well as these episodes in the next week. One thing, uh, which one, I, one thing I will say and that I just find very funny is that, of course, uh, uh, Bluto uh, played uh, played by, um, uh, you know, I, I struggled to do this. John Belushi in the film uh, is replaced in the show by like John Blutarski Bluto is replaced by Jim Blutarski Blotto John's younger brother what is John Belushi's younger brother's name Jim Belushi <laughs> just find that I find that oh, funny man, they, I don't know why they, I find they, that they, so funny they really stretched um yeah I'm I'm very curious about this uh because it looks like it wasn't canceled because of ratings. So we'll go into that next week and and see maybe there was some magic here that we we don't. We, I mean, we literally found out that this show existed by researching some of these TV adaptations. So, yeah, I am very, very curious to to check this out. And, and we're going to go and tell you guys there might not be a much, bunch of information that we even have access to. So we'll see. But next week we are going to be watching those episodes. Uh, once again, I'm just going to say them one more time. Episode one, episode four, episode six and episode 11. Uh, and with that said, this is where we're going to say goodbye this week. Until next time, if you would like to find us, you can find us at themoreynerd.com. You can tweet to us at themoreynerd and go to facebook.com slash themoreynerd. And you can email us questions, comments, concerns, reactions, the more or the you... name of our mascot oh yeah we gotta keep promoting that uh the more you nerd at gmail.com the more you nerd at gmail.com you can also find us at the more you nerd for some sweet sweet gear if you would like to deck out your torso in some awesome nerd stuff uh and so with that said miles we're gonna end the show as we always do with a rousing Nerd. Nerd out. out.